Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Azizi Podcast. Before we start, I'd like to ask for a quick favor. Please click on that subscribe button. Please subscribe to this podcast. It will really help me out. I would really appreciate that. And also, don't forget to check out my YouTube channel where you will see the same exact episodes that you're listening to, but you will be able to actually see my conversation with the guest. In any case... My next guest is Tom Loeffler. He is the worldwide famous boxing promoter, the man behind Triple G, uh, also the man behind Serhii Bochak, the up-and-coming uprising star uh, in boxing. We have discussed a lot of things. It was a cool conversation. It was really relaxed and casual one. I went to 360 Promotions office and we just had a really nice chat. Don't forget to check out that conversation on YouTube as well. But we've touched base and we've talked about Triple G, Serhibo, Chuck, Brian Cibayo and uh, other boxers as well and other events. And uh, I feel like that conversation was turned out pretty well. Um, I hope you like it. And without further ado, enjoy the episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, welcome to Azizi Podcast, and I'm here at 300, 360 Promotion uh, Office again, and I'm you know excited and happy and honored to speak with you, Tom Loeffler, uh, who I'm fortunate to call my friend, and yeah. it's uh, it's been a long ride. I've made it to the United States, and I can now talk to you. How's it going, sir? You made it back to the United States. Getting here the first time was a big accomplishment, <laughs> then you moved... Uh, up to Canada, to Toronto, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, now you're back. You know, it's crazy because the one thing, I love Canada, and everyone's great there, and everyone's treating me very well, but it's just the weather. I really miss California <laughs> weather, especially at this at this moment where it's uh, zero degrees Celsius or 30 degrees Fahrenheit in Toronto, So, and here it's 35 or 80, 90 Fahrenheit. Um, enjoying it, enjoying it. So Yeah, you hit, a, you hit a good stretch uh, for the time that you're visiting. I know. It's warm down here in LA, and uh, you know I remember the last time we did the podcast was downstairs in the conference center. This yeah. time we're uh, upstairs here with the we have the, the this is actually from the Mandalay Bay, one of the uh, light boxes from Mandalay Bay. Very cool. One of uh, Vladimir fought uh, out there. Yeah, you have a a lot of memorabilia from different fights, yeah. and uh, I see that they were all signed by you know, by the superstar athletes that you were promoting and managing. So that's uh, it's a lot of history, and uh, it's a pretty cool uh, run that you're having so far. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. a great run, you know, working with uh, Kevin Kelly, Obakar, Shane Mosley. Got Shane his first world title fight on HBO. Uh, James Tony, for I think it was James for three or four fights. Um, you know, then going on to the Klitschko brothers. And, uh, you know, that started the promotional career. Yeah. And then uh, we signed Triple G and uh, built him up. My most favorite boxer who actually uh, made me fall in love with the sport of boxing yeah. itself. Because that. I started with Triple G. I just followed him, you know, his um, his progress as someone from Kazakhstan as myself. I followed Triple G, who is also from Kazakhstan in Los Angeles. And uh, that was a huge inspiration for me. Um, but yeah, you know, Triple G uh, got a lot of new fans into boxing. Uh, I had so many people come up to me during the fights, whether it was in New York, whether it's out here in LA, 
saying this is the first time they've ever seen boxing. They came to see Triple G. They heard so much about him. They weren't disappointed, even if there was, uh, you know, an early knockout like Rubio. Where mm-hmm. We broke the we broke the uh, attendance record, uh, shattered the attendance record, actually, almost doubled it uh, at the StubHub Center from any previous. There were so many champions that had fought there before. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Triple G shattered the record there. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a common occurrence, a common theme that uh, he brought in new uh, boxing fans. That's Those are the type of fighters that boxing needs. Uh, it was the excitement, the uh, curiosity, people hearing like, oh, this guy's knocking everyone out. I got to go see him. It was almost like the Mike Tyson effect in the middleweight mm-hmm. exactly. situation. And I've seen it firsthand, you know, when I was working in the office in Los Angeles and I told everyone that, you know, I'm a huge fan of Triple G. And I remember some of our people already knew him, but some of our co-workers, uh, which interesting female co-workers, were really into Triple G after they actually mm. saw him fight. And, fight sure. and they would email me every time after he fought, he would, they would email me their, you know, thoughts and comments right. or, you know, like protests or anything like that. So that was pretty cool to see them becoming a fan fans of Triple G and boxing in general. So that was, and I was pretty proud because, you know, I, I felt like I, I contributed to his promotion in, yeah. that, in that sense. No, absolutely. <laughs> Look, every, everyone... You know, really, there were so many little contributions that added up into a global superstar. Yeah. You know, it was a dichotomy with Triple G. It was almost like uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he transcended so well with the Mexican fans, with the fans in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, fans in Poland, ever since the Proxa fight uh, mm-hmm. on HBO. Uh, it was like five years in a row after that fight, he was voted uh, Boxer of the Year in uh, Poland. Uh, all over the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Japan, he was very popular when we went to uh, Japan for, uh, actually it was China, uh, for one of the uh, conventions over there. Um, he, uh, I mean, the people were just lined up uh, because they would always show his fights on the open channel there in uh, in China. Um, yeah, he's uh, loved in China. I know like, he knows a lot of businessmen in China. Yeah. Uh, the huge uh, businessman, one of the biggest one in the world, uh, Jack Ma, sure. who is the CEO and founder of Alibaba. He's a yeah. huge fan of Triple G, mm-hmm. and uh, which is a huge deal because yeah, Jack Ma came to a number of his fights. Yeah, I saw I saw him personally, and it's just amazing. And it's uh, you know when you when we talk about legacy for Triple G or for boxers in general, it's 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 common to talk about legacy, right? And then Triple G is, I think. In addition to his amazing style, amazing fights and knockouts, there's also a thing where he opened the doors for a lot of boxers, not only from Kazakhstan, but from all of the former Soviet <laughs> Union uh, territory. <laughs> I'll tell you, everyone, after after the success we had, because no, nobody really knew where Kazakhstan was here, at least not in the United States. They oh, all, no, trust me, I know it myself. Everyone, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know firsthand, but everyone associated Kazakhstan with Borat and the whole movies, and, and mm-hmm. Triple G kind of shattered that whole... Uh, you know, myth about what like really goes on. Yeah, the stereotype. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know that we, he literally put Kazakhstan on the map over here as a as a global ambassador, mm-hmm. not only for the sport of boxing but for the country of Kazakhstan. Every time he stepped in the ring, mm-hmm. he had you know he's fighting for himself, fighting for his family, fighting for his team, and you know his country. And so there was a lot of pressure on him to perform. And Triple right. G was one of those really unique and rare individuals in boxing, the bigger the challenge, the bigger the fight, the bigger the stage, you know, when he went from the theater at Madison Square Garden to the big arena in Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. you know, starting on HBO and then just moving up. Uh, every time the challenge was bigger, 
the opponent was bigger, he raised his uh, level of competition or his performance, you know, with spectacular knockouts. With Mac, you know, everyone said Matthew Macklin's going to expose Triple G. Mm-hmm. Then he started. Uh, Curtis Stevens was going to expose Triple G. Mm-hmm. Then it was Daniel Giel, who was the former champion. Um, you know, so many uh, Danny Jacobs. Everyone thought uh, Danny Jacobs, even though he missed the the. Boy, IBF, was that a good fight, though? It was a good Jacobs. fight, but uh, Danny Jacobs uh, deliberately missed the IBF uh, weigh-in, even though he uh, had agreed to it. Right. And uh, he had a huge weight advantage. When I say huge, a huge weight advantage over uh, Triple G. It was. I mean, you could physically see it how how Jacobs looked with in comparison to Triple G, uh, even though like Triple G still managed to uh, get his knockdown against Jacobs. He did get the knockdown. Which, uh, which uh, you know, really uh, gave him the fight, and it was undisputed in terms of you know ten eight round. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of respect for Danny and his family, and and uh, uh, I like Danny personally. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like what he did. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it was uh, sportsmanlike conduct. Right, I think right. probably his team uh, encouraged funny business, him funny uh, business. to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened the week before. Uh, against uh, David Lemieux and Curtis mm-hmm. Stevens, that kind of went under the radar with mm-hmm. the IBF, where uh, uh, Curtis Stevens made the weight mm-hmm. and uh, David Lemieux didn't. Uh, came in way overweight, and then we saw the results where he just mm-hmm. uh, pummeled uh, uh, Stevens. And yeah, Lemieux always had uh, problems with making the weight, yeah. and uh, well, he didn't do. Let me let me clarify that he made the the, the regular weigh-in, but didn't do the IBF second day weigh-in. I see. Which again gave him a huge weight advantage. Dave Lemieux was uh, was one of uh, Triple G's uh, at the time, the only champion or the first champion to actually get in the ring with Triple G. Mm-hmm. Um, props to him for that. And uh, yeah, props to uh, David Lemieux. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I think the other champions saw what happened to Lemieux and didn't want any part of that. You know, no, even Canelo. Was... Canelo made history by being the first. WBC champion from Mexico to ever vacate the WBC title. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like sacrilegious in uh, in Mexico with the Mexican fans um, to vacate a title in order to avoid uh, uh, a challenge like that. Yeah, I remember watching that fight in 2017, and I was like actually so pumped up. I was singing national Kazakh national for, anthem. Uh, Canelo Triple G1. Canelo Triple G1. Yeah. yeah, I was singing Kazakh national anthem in front of yeah, all of my American great, friends with that was pride. A, I was just that like, was yeah. a great energy in the arena. Oh my god, that was amazing. We set the uh, third highest gate in uh, Nevada state history, the highest mm-hmm. gate ever for a middleweight championship fight, and. Uh, it was that was a great event. I thought uh, Triple G clearly won oh, that absolutely, fight. Absolutely, no doubt about that. One judge uh, who won't go named uh, on this program, but everyone knows what happened there. It's like I think she probably was the only person in. Mm-hmm. I, I can comfortably say probably the only person in the entire world that had <laughs> Canelo winning ten rounds out of two. I mean, it was so distorted it wasn't even. Uh, you wonder just what was going on there, but then. There was another judge who, out of those two rounds, which was probably Triple G's best round, the seventh round, gave it to uh, Canelo. And that was, if if that judge had scored that f- round correctly, mm-hmm. then there wouldn't have been a controversy because Triple G would have won that fight. It would have been Absolutely. two judges for him uh, and one against, which uh, there was, I don't know what he would have had to do to win the fight. Mm-hmm. In the third judge's uh, scorecard, but anyway, it just—I uh, still don't think uh, Triple G has lost a uh, fight uh, to in this his, date. 
yeah, entire you career. Know, I think the, in professional the, the boxing. second fight was much closer. You got to give Canelo credit. He adjusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he fought fought much better the second fight. Uh, I don't think he won the second fight. I think uh, it was a draw. Like one judge had it as as a draw. But again, those are all. That's all water under the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, gotta right look now. Got to forward. Got to move move forward. Yeah, moving forward. Um, you know, Triple G's in training camp right now. He's in uh, training with Jonathan Banks. Um, his, uh, his new coach. His date has been pushed back so, so many yep. de- times. I don't even know if you can, you know, he's training, put it that way. He's mm-hmm. training right now. Ali mm-hmm. Akhmedov is with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're supposed to fight on the same show. We're Against just, his uh, mandatory uh, Camille Chirimeta. Right. That, that's uh, who uh, he's slated to fight, you know, as yes. soon as there's a confirmation of a date and a time and location. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think Triple G has a lot of knockouts in him. That's how you actually, that's how we met, is you actually came to the track exactly with Coach Dave and Doug Fisher, who's uh, now the editor of Ring Magazine. And uh, you came down and... Came down. I, what I said, I said, thank you, Tom, for actually, because I knew the job that you were doing, and I, I thank you personally yeah. for the things That's that you're right. doing for yeah, boxing. Yeah, you not showed just, the appreciation for... Exactly. Uh, not yeah. just for, you know, the sport of boxing here in the United States, but also in Kazakhstan, because right. going back to my original statement, Triple G left a legacy, and he's still, you know, that legacy lives now while Triple G is being active, is that a lot of boxers uh, in Kazakhstan are turning pro uh, because of because Triple of that, G's yeah. way, because right. they're being expired, uh, inspired, and uh, a lot of promoters are actually seeking out professional boxers right. in Kazakhstan and right. in Uzbekistan and Kyrgyzstan right. and you know sure. the parts of Russia. All of that because they all are looking for the next, the Triple, next Triple G, G, and they always say, "I yeah. found the next right. Triple G." That's funny, but Samir, it's... You don't know how often <laughs> I've heard people tell me, "I I found the next Triple G," and I'm like, "There's only one Triple G. There really exactly. is only one Triple G. The combination that he has with his." power his timing his placement his distance i mean everything put together uh his training ethics uh dedication uh and just unshakable you know uh in uh you know under the big uh the big lights mm-hmm. um but uh he really uh he really opened the doors i i know kazakhstan there's been a lot of tremendously successful amateur boxers that oh, yeah, won a gold medal and then uh, didn't never went into the professional boxing because mm-hmm. it really wasn't, uh, you know, it was pretty complicated, you know, to go from Kazakhstan to come over here to United States. And, uh, you know, they had uh, great, uh, kind of a great lifestyle set up for them because of their success in the amateurs, mm-hmm. whether it was in government, whether it was sponsored by a, a big company, uh, whatever it was, as a spokesman. And Triple G really broke open the doors for the boxers from Kazakhstan and also like that those regions that you had mentioned mm-hmm. that uh, not only uh, can you have a successful, tremendously successful amateur career, then, you know, like I said, uh, uh, Triple G became one of the most successful uh, mm-hmm. ever in the sport of boxing. Uh, Absolutely. Selling out arenas uh, all over the world and um, making so many title defenses. 20, you know, 20 title defenses, tying the all-time middleweight championship uh, record of uh, Bernard Hopkins. Mm-hmm. So hopefully if he, uh, if we can put that uh, Zermeta fight together, um, you know, breaking uh, the middleweight championship defense record would be a, a mm-hmm. tremendous statement mm-hmm. uh, for him. And like I said, I think he has a lot of fights, a lot of knockouts left in him with his lifestyle, his training ethics, um, you know, just the way he approaches boxing, the love, uh, his love for the sport of boxing. You know, he, he made a huge sacrifice when he was in Big Bear. 
like eight months out of the year when, when he was fighting. We had him fighting like four times, three times a year. He was the most active champion at that time. Yeah, so he practically lived in Big Bear uh, for yeah. the most part his, of the year. His family was in mm -hmm. Germany. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he and he was dedicated to his uh, and sacrificed uh, mm -hmm. to, his, to his sport. So Ali Ahmedov right now, who is training uh, along with Triple G, and he is a part of Triple G Promotions. Right, he signed uh, with Triple G Promotions. They're spending uh, training camp together, mm -hmm. so they're together with... Uh, so Triple G and Ali are training together basically every day, 24-7, I would say, and I think that's a tremendous experience for Ali himself, uh, to become as great as Triple G, what where do you think his uh, present is right now and the future? How do you see him developing as a as a future champion? Well, there's no question. Ali is an extremely talented uh, guy. I think he's uh, getting uh, invaluable experience training alongside of uh, Triple G, along you know basically living in his camp and uh, mm -hmm. training with him. They spar. Uh, Occasionally together. Um, I mean, sparring sessions alone with Triple G would be probably worth, uh, I would say, a thousand training yeah. sessions. No, I've seen them spar, and, and uh, you know, when they're getting ready, they fought on the same show uh, twice now. Mm -hmm. When they're getting ready, they, they don't go all out when they're sparring. It's really more uh, moving in the ring, uh, certainly at a, at a pretty high uh, boxing IQ level, as mm -hmm. uh, Triple G likes to say. But uh, the harder sparring... Or more intense sparring, I should say, is when uh, you know we have the sparring partners there mm -hmm. with Ali. A lot of times we get lucky where uh, some of the guys can spar with both Triple G and Ali. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not the easiest task in the world, if you can imagine that. But <laughs> because two of them together, yeah. Ali fights at 168 and Triple G at 160, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of times we can get 68 pounders, sometimes 175 pounders, sometimes you know lighter weight, mm -hmm. uh, 154 pounders uh, for speed. And uh, it works. Uh, it works well for uh, for both guys. But I think Ali uh, is definitely a future champion. And uh, like uh, like you said, he's getting a tremendous experience uh, and confidence being in the camp mm -hmm. with uh, Triple G. That's what Emmanuel Stewart used to do with uh, Emmanuel uh, with uh, Vladimir Klitschko, where mm -hmm. he would bring in uh, young fighters uh, to Vladimir's camp to show him. This is uh, how the heavyweight champion trains. This is the structure. This is what he goes through every day. Uh, I remember he brought in a young Tyson Fury to camp, not as a sparring partner, mm -hmm. but uh, to just to, to be around Vladimir, to be around that uh, championship atmosphere, the training camp. And uh, I think it, it made a pretty big impression on uh, on Tyson. And, and Emmanuel believed in Tyson Fury mm -hmm. as being a future and JB, and JB comes from the, the Kronk Gym. JB so is, uh, is a perfect example where Emmanuel brought JB, Jonathan Banks from Detroit, Michigan, from the, you know came up through the Kronk uh, system, actually lived in uh, one of Emmanuel's houses uh, as he was growing up. And uh, uh, Emmanuel brought JB, along with some other fighters, to uh, Lennox Lewis's training camp. So he got to see, when he was a young fighter, got to see how Lennox was training, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as the heavyweight champion at the time, who also was one of the greatest, uh, uh, you know, of, uh, of the modern era uh, to Lennox Lewis. And um, uh, it's one of those things when you're exposed to that camp, mm -hmm. 
like when Cecilia Breaker, when she was training in in, uh, in Big Bear, we brought up uh, Chantal Navarro, who's a daughter of a fighter that I used to manage, uh, Nacho Navarro. She's a five-time national champion. She's an amateur. Mm-hmm. And she got to see Cecilia train. So it's it's that type of a situation. And uh, Triple G, Vladimir, Cecilia, they're all that they all have that same characteristics where they like to. Uh, share their knowledge and experience with the younger fighters and uh you know triple g is a great role model and and you know going back to the thing with ali mm-hmm. uh i really think ali is is growing tremendously um you know under his tutelage under the, the direction now of uh, jonathan banks and uh, i think you'll see uh, a pretty explosive performance whenever they get into the ring uh, both guys. I know Triple G's been, you know, pretty much chomping at the bit to get back into the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet a, Ali's hungry for some uh, some Ali, action as well right uh, now. As a young fighter, exactly. yeah, Ali Ali is uh, very hungry to get. Uh, do you see uh, in the ring? Do you see Ali staying at uh, one sixty eight at the moment? Because I think it's a great division. Or do you think he can consider also moving up to one seventy five? Like, does, does is he like firm on on the weight division? Or it's you always know, that, negotiable. That, that's really more a, a question of with uh, JB. Uh, mm-hmm. Or James Lockwood, who's his nutritionist, but mm-hmm. uh, you know Ali does have a big frame. I think eventually he'll wind up at 175. But mm-hmm. uh, the way he trains and uh, his discipline and everything, I, I think uh, you know he'll be at 68 for uh, at least to uh, fight for a world title. Mm-hmm. You know, make some defenses. Then then you got to see you know how is the competition 168? Does it make sense to move 175? That type of thing. But I, I see him uh, staying at 168. For a while, you actually translated for both Triple G and I Ali. did, I did. And that's how you got the name, the Mad Translator, because you always said, <laughs> and it's true. A lot of times, you you hear like the fighter giving an answer, and then the translator just giving like a, a kind of a monotone. They, does, they did not boring, translate that emotion. Boring answer, yeah, the, the emotion, <laughs> and and so you got the nickname, the Mad Translator. Exactly. Not that you're angry, but the mad with like passion and emotion, and you wanted to like express the same. Uh, type of answer, the same type of feeling that they're answering in their native language. And, uh, you know, Triple G is much more expression, uh, expressive in Russian mm-hmm. than he is in uh, in English. And so a lot of times, you know, you kind of gave that extra uh, Yes, that extra I definitely try, try to do that. Because, honestly, it's not because on purpose, but I'm also, as a fan of boxing sure. and also a fan of those boxers who I translate for. <laughs> You're I, making it entertaining. I'm, I'm making sure that they're getting, like, the full scale, that the audience is getting the whole <laughs> the whole yeah. package of what the boxers are trying to say. Uh, so I'm trying to help out the boxers as well. I was actually fortunate to be in Ali's corner uh, along with uh, Stitch Duran and Maxim Golovkin right. for uh, for his fight um, when Triple G was fighting uh, Steve Rose as well. So that was that was a great experience as well at the at Madison Square Garden uh, to be there and uh, yeah you were you were kind of translating uh, yeah I was uh, training in the corner basically mm-hmm. I was being there you know just helping out and also I was there to if, if because uh, Max Maxime was the the, tra- the coach he for was that the corner. head trainer because Triple G naturally was the main event exactly and Ali came on right before him so Jonathan Banks couldn't go back to back exactly uh, with the fights and so Max who who normally goes to all the training camps mm-hmm. and uh, you know took over the corner for Ali and and Ali did tremendous un- under uh, his direction and uh, like you said Stitch Duran who's one yeah. of the most experienced that actually translates down or transcends Stitch uh, going from Vladimir to uh triple g 
And Sitch has had so many world champions. He's, he's keeping busy. I see him everywhere right now. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, on Sitch ESPN is one of the best, and all that. Absolutely yeah. one of the best in the business. And uh, you've also translated for Sergey Borchuk, who so has that's a fight coming up. Exactly. So I want to talk about Sergey. He's uh, another boxer of yours who, who you are promoting. And I wanted to talk to you about him because he seems to have an amazing power. A lot of boxing writers and journalists are actually pointing that out. He's a very powerful boxer. Um, he's been training at Big Bear for his entire career uh, mm -hmm. uh, in the United States. Now he's training in Los Angeles for the past right. year. Yeah. Uh, he recently had his uh, fight in September in Mexico yeah. uh, against uh, a Mexican fighter, very strong. His last name is Davila. That yeah. uh, that fight was uh, ended ended in stop in in uh, so the Mexican guy just quit basically on his chair after the sixth he, round he didn't he didn't quit he he wanted to keep fighting oh he did okay the trainer had to convince him and the referee I saw them both talking to him because he wanted to come out and so uh, he did come out for the seventh round and then the, the referee basically just waved off the fight so he, he definitely didn't quit but uh, I think it was the right decision. Uh, oh, yeah, it was... Definitely, uh, because uh, Bowachuk... He was dominating that fight. Everyone could see it. He was dominating the fight, although you got to give Davila a lot of credit. He was 21-1. and one. He never lost in Mexico. His only loss came to Zuski when he traveled up to Canada. Mm -hmm. Whenever you go to a different country like that, and a lot of people underestimate that, there's, there's a reason why some American fighters only fight in America. Mm -hmm. Never have gone internationally mm -hmm. uh, once. Uh, sometimes never even leave their state or their own mm -hmm. city. And, uh, you know, they get used to their home commission. They get used to, you know, all the different comforts that they're, that they're used to. And when we went, you know, whether it was Triple G fighting in Ukraine, mm -hmm. he fought in Panama, he fought in Monaco three times. There's always these externalities that you don't have, you know, any knowledge about. And you don't there's know always some what, unexpected what's happening things with can the local happen, commissions, yeah. with the officials. Uh, each testing procedure is different down there. The medicals, the food is different. You know, you could travel Climate. easily. Mm -hmm. When we were in Panama, easily uh, could have been uh, food poisoning down mm -hmm. there. We're on the airplane. He ate something that might not agree with him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember the one time, that one of the fights in Panama, where there was an issue with his visa, to go to leave the country to get in and uh you're talking about uh triple g right now triple g yeah and uh, his managers were working on it and i remember he was with abel at the time and uh they were actually sitting in the airport uh in la mm -hmm. they missed their scheduled flight then they had to take a That's red eye flight yeah oh red eyes and man. then they had to change planes and then they had to fly to panama and then he arrived basically just in time for the weigh-in. They drove him over the weigh-in. He naturally wasn't eating anything the mm -hmm. whole time. He got no sleep. He had no food. Just barely made it to the weigh-in, and then he didn't look very good at all. Mm -hmm. uh, or let me not let me rephrase that. Mm -hmm. uh, not that he didn't look good. He didn't look his usual self, which yeah. is always uh, dominant and very impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, against Kasim Uma. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you could say he had an off performance, but there was a good reason why he had an off performance. But that's just uh, an example of, you know, back then, uh, you know. You guys were trying to fight it, like as, as often as possible and you're trying to fight anyone. Uh, at that point, he was still kind of going through the legal situation, getting out of his contract with a German promoter. Right. And uh, so he couldn't fight in the United States, couldn't fight in Germany. Panama accepted him. 
uh, to fight over there because he was a WBA champion. Mm-hmm. And uh, the WBA helped set up those fights over there. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, again, you know, when, uh, you know, the example I was leading to was Kell Brook, you know, when Triple G went to the, to London, sold mm-hmm. out the O2 Arena uh, versus Kell Brook. A lot of uh, UK fans uh, turned out. Uh, oh yeah, it was a sold out you know, arena to to support Triple G. Mm-hmm. Kell Brook naturally uh, was kind of like the home country uh, favorite, but mm-hmm. uh, Triple G had a lot of fans there and a lot of the UK fans. Look, the UK fans are very educated fans, just like the the fans of Mexico. When he would travel to Mexico and uh, do interviews or do charity appearances, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. you know, so. Balachuk traveling to Mexico during the time of pandemic yeah. is kind of a risk that you guys took because not that only... Would, that adds a whole other twist to it. During the pandemic, you know... Um, there was like a low um, action, so there's low acti- activity. Sir, he was supposed to fight in March, and uh, at the end of March, but that yeah. fight got canceled because of COVID. Because so of COVID, he, that's right. he had to basically be on hiatus, and uh, that kind of affected his training as well, as far as like, what he told me. And then, so he had to retrain again. He had to start the camp again. He returned back from the Big Bear. So there was like right. a switch of uh, coaches Switch as of well. trainers, yep. right. There was some issues with the management and Abel Sanchez. So he didn't want to get in the, in the middle of the those uh, legal mm-hmm. uh, back and forth. Which, so. uh, again, Sergei, during his interview, always pays respect to Abel Sanchez. Mm-hmm. He says, I absolutely respect him and I'm uh, thankful to him for all what he's done to, uh, to him. Uh, in terms of, you know, his career and his, uh, his yeah, It was style. interesting because uh, Abel gave him a tremendous... Uh, Sergei was a, a very good amateur, but he wasn't like one of those top-level amateurs like a Lomachenko, like a, mm-hmm. a, like a Triple G. Like, mm-hmm. uh, still was a champion Vladimir of Ukraine Klitschko. during his, uh, during his yeah, amateur, so he, was, he still uh, had some titles there. He was so. a Ukrainian champion. Uh, mm-hmm. He just wasn't at that top-top uh, level. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think Abel gave him a very, very solid uh, professional uh, foundation for mm-hmm. the professional style. I mean, mm-hmm. you could really say taught him the Mexican style, just like uh, he taught Triple G. Uh, Sergey's different, even though he's 18 and 0 with 18 knockouts. He's got a different type of power. Triple G could really take you out, like he took out uh, uh, Rubio uh, mm-hmm. in the second round with one punch. He came over. Rubio was in full guard, and he came over the top right. and, and knocked him out that way. Sergey doesn't necessarily have that one punch knockout power. He just has such a high work rate, and just mm-hmm. he gets he get, keeps that pace up, that intensity up, and very heavy-handed body shots, great body shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was getting at is, so Abel gave him a great foundation, and then Manny Robles has really made a you know a great transition, or Sir has made a great transition with uh, with Manny. Mm-hmm. Manny was very popular in Mexico, you know, being down there with Andy Ruiz, absolutely first that heavyweight fight, champion, which from we've Mexico. been to together as well. Mexican Ruiz Joshua first fight. Yeah, oh my God, and, what an experience! Uh, Manny was telling me, uh, yeah, you know, it was uh, we were in, we were in Madison Square Garden for that fight and. <laughs> You know, they had been down there on kind of like on Ruiz's victory yeah, tour. Yeah, yeah, I met bet with it was the crazy. president of Mexico. And so Manny, in his own right, is a celebrity there. You know what I like uh, uh, about Switch? Uh, when Bolichuk started training with Manny Robles, there was an interview with Manny Robles, and Manny said, I actually called uh, Abel Sanchez myself, and I said, I need your that's blessing. True. Yeah, that's absolutely uh, true. With your blessing, I will start training with Bolichuk, yep. but only if you approve this. And when trainers are at that level and have that much respect, you know, normally a trainer would like, oh, I got an opportunity to, to, mm-hmm. to train this, uh, you know, undefeated uh, guy from uh, from Ukraine who has mm-hmm. a lot of knockouts. but uh, be- Promoted by yeah. Tom Loeffler. Yeah, I've, yeah, <laughs> I we, mean, it's, we, it we adds up his, a lot. We built late. his uh, career from kind of unknown in the professionals to 
now he's in the top 10 of a number of the ratings uh, organizations. Absolutely, and um, uh, WBC and WBO, I think. But uh, I've, I've known Manny for, for a number of years, and I have a lot of respect for him. And, uh, you know, if someone was going to take over uh, the guidance of uh, Sergei's training, you know, mm -hmm. I have complete confidence in yeah. uh, in Manny and uh, but just that camaraderie between the coaches between the trainers you know I really like that that there will there was no so how to say there, there was no like residual bad bad blood or something like that everything is kind of good and everyone respected the decision well, the issue wasn't between Serhi exactly. and, and Abel mm -hmm. and uh, and I'm sure Abel would have done the same thing if uh, a fighter had, an established fighter had come to him uh, you know he would uh out of respect, you know, call the, uh, the previous, uh, mm -hmm. trainer and, and, uh, you know, so basically, uh, uh, Abel gave uh, Manny, mm -hmm. not that he needed his permission, exactly. but basically his blessing, like, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Sir Hayes, a great guy, good training, you know, kind of explain the situation. It wasn't, uh, by choice mm -hmm. really, uh, between them. And, uh, and I think, uh, Sir Hayes in, in, in good hands right now. And, uh, you know what I like about his last fight, uh, which was the first fight, by the way, with Manny Robles. So that mm -hmm. needs to be accounted. There were well. so many. I tell you, sir. Hey, uh, <laughs> it's not sir, it's Samir. Uh -huh. I tell you, there was so many uh, variables in that fight. It's crazy that you made it happen. I mean, it's well uh, during the pandemic. There's exactly. there, there was there was really no shows here in California. Certainly not the Hollywood the fight nights where we were building up a Boachuk, where Which we had a packed Boachuk's house at the home Avalon. arena, basically, yeah, yeah, at the, at one of the famous Hollywood nightclubs here, and uh, we were really keeping uh, Sergey busy. He fought one year. He fought uh, five fights here in the U.S. One fight in Russia. Mm -hmm. Then uh, the next year he fought five fights here. Uh, yep. And uh, he he was really at the level he was at. Uh, one of the most active fighters. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, in, in that middleweight, uh, uh, super welterweight division. Mm -hmm. And uh, so to go with a new trainer during COVID conditions, uh, having to fly to Mexico. Fighting, On top of that. Fighting a tough Pouring guy, rain. Pouring rain yeah. during the fight. <laughs> well, Everything was kind of funny. I got to tell you, uh, <laughs> I was in the bubble with Cecilia Brekus, uh -huh. and uh, that was a rough bubble in uh, Tulsa. Yeah. Mexico, I got to say, it was in Merida, Mexico. Mm -hmm. Got to give them uh, a lot of credit. Uh, Yucatan down there. Uh, yeah. Yucatan, yeah. Max uh, Max Boxing uh, down there. Uh, mm -hmm. Boxing Promotions and uh, uh, Mario Abraham. Uh, he turned out to be a good friend uh, who was down there. And uh, yeah, the Mayan culture, everything. You know, naturally, Manny Robles was used to to the whole Mexican mm -hmm. uh, culture. Being you know Mexican descent, and sir, he was telling me as well that he because he's uh, sp talking some Spanish now at the gym, uh, because his uh, of his coach's background yeah. and the guys with his spars with and training was he was like yeah. it was so cool to talk to uh, people in Yucatan and just you know just simply say you know hola gracias or yeah. you know a couple uh, he words was, like, he, he was, was enjoying he was enjoying doing that <laughs> he was expanding his vocabulary and uh, uh, he really took to it you know uh, he really took to the uh, Mexican people there. We did a lot of interviews, a lot of publicity mm -hmm. leading up to the fight, uh, not only here in the United States before we left, but uh, also down there uh, in Mexico and uh, fighting a known fighter uh, with Davila from Mexico City. So a lot of his fights were televised. And so you have this undefeated Ukrainian guy that a lot of Mexican fans hadn't uh, seen uh, defending his... Do uh, naturally, you got to give credit to the WBC. They did a lot of publicity also for the fight down there. Oh, yeah. 
and uh, fighting a known uh, uh, strong fighter in Davila, a lot, a lot of people uh, thought Davila was going to win the fight. You know, they're like, who's this Ukrainian guy coming down mm -hmm. here fighting in our territory? And uh, he came to win. I mean, from the round one, he just uh, started pressuring Sergei. And it was yeah. interesting to see Sergei under pressure because that was the first time I saw Sergei kind of went going into defense position. And even he told me himself, like, this is the first time I actually, you know, realized, like, I got to practice my defense skills with him. Mm -hmm. And he was really proud of the fact that he... No, Davila came out very strong, throwing a lot of punches and... Uh, and uh, really had Sergei backing up uh, the first part of that first round. Mm -hmm. Then, uh, uh, I mean, you don't want to be stupid and just go, you know, all out, and you know, and you never know, you know. Exactly, you Sergei didn't take he didn't take the, the bait during the right. first you round. You got to be smart. Yeah. You got to use your boxing skills. He didn't fold under pressure. Mm -hmm. um, you got to give Davi a lot of credit. You know, he was very confident during the whole uh, build up uh, to the promotion. At the weigh-in, he looked great the, too. He was in shape. At the press conference, yep. he was in tremendous shape. Mm -hmm. And uh, but after that second round, then he started turning the tide, mm -hmm. and uh, took over from there. And then getting back to your point, that uh, after six rounds, it was smart that the uh, corner stopped it. Oh the yeah, referee I mean, stopped everyone it could see it because uh, Davila is a great fighter, but it's one of those things where it's better to live for another day. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly, fight. he yeah. didn't want to stop the fight, but mm -hmm. the corner stopped it which was smart, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other guys in that division that Davila can beat, just not uh, Surya Boachuk, who I think uh, Boachuk will go on to win a world title. He's got a very tough challenge Brings coming us to up. December 3rd. Yeah, December Brandon 3. Adams is his next opponent. Yeah. Huge, huge name. Brandon Adams, you know, fought Charlo, you know, went the whole 12 rounds with him. Mm -hmm. I mean... Fought the 160-pound Charlo. At 160 pounds. So the middleweight champion went the distance, 12-round distance, like you said. That was with, a title uh, fight, a fight for the title. Yeah, sure. It was a WBC uh, championship fight. Now uh, Brandon Adams has come down to super welterweight, which he says is more of his natural weight. Exactly, because uh, he's uh, he's not a tall guy, and he looks very, very... He was very... much smaller than uh, Charlo when exactly. they were standing next and to each if other. If you look at his pictures right now, he's just like... Uh, he's in he's in great shape. He's in great sh shape, you know, covered with muscles, and he's really quick. He's always... with Against Charlo, he's really quick and very uncomfortable. Yeah, he... Uh, as uh, Brandon's got a lot of TV exposure over the years. He was in the Contender mm -hmm. series. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, he challenged uh, for the world title mm -hmm. against Charlo. And uh, uh, so this is a tremendous matchup. You, you could say that uh, Adams actually has more professional experience mm -hmm. than uh, Sergei Boachuk. But it's yeah. one of those. This is a, you know, Ring City made it clear. You know, I've been talking to them since February uh, about putting... Uh, Boachuk on, putting Sabayo on. Sabayo had fought on uh, both of Triple G shows. Brian Sabayo uh, from Brooklyn. Brooklyn Brian native. Yeah. That's right, uh, from Brooklyn, Puerto Rican descent. Uh, actually born in Puerto Rico of Dominican descent mm -hmm. and then raised in Brooklyn. And uh, Brian is very marketable, very popular, especially in that New York area. He did a great performance against uh, Yuba from Kazakhstan. Yeah, who was also from Kazakhstan. He and beat your uh, he, he beat He beat my guy, but uh, yeah. he's also, I don't know, I don't know if to what extent he's from Kazakhstan, but he claims he is, so I'll, I'll give him that. <laughs> but that guy could fight too. That guy had It was a, a great fight, by the way. It was a, a war. It was a great fight. <laughs> he was undefeated with a lot of, I think it was like 12-0 with 11 knockouts, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's another example of Brian... You know, looking looking good on the uh, Hollywood shows, but he really raised his... I was very nervous for that fight. Mm. That was on the Triple G uh, show, like you said. Right, and, right. Uh, 
I was very nervous in that fight because uh, it just seemed like a huge step up in competition. But mm-hmm. he knew if he was going to fight at the Triple G show on, at Madison Square Garden, he had to fight a tough guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely uh, Yubov uh, came to fight. He was uh, he was uh, punching hard, and uh, it was like more like a bull and matador. Exactly, situation. and that was a, another instance where with Brian actually sh- his skills started kicking in, and it, yeah. he, he got a lot of praise from a lot of writers and just insiders for it was a breakout breakout performance yeah. for Brian Sabayo, but also, which is important in boxing, which Triple G knows, uh, Brian sold a lot of tickets uh, being on the undercard. Uh, mm-hmm. Sold a lot of tickets uh, being on the undercard, and uh, so would you say it's something like an, an anomaly? All of a sudden, this guy sells a lot of tickets, which is you, it's not really common for that level of fight. All of a sudden, he sold. No, not an anomaly for Brian Ceballo. No, he's very no, popular. No, but overall, I guess for oh, in general, it is because uh, a lot of fighters say, you know, I just want to focus on the fight. I don't want to do interviews. I want to do this, but mm-hmm. uh, Brian understands the whole. Not only have to look good in the ring, mm-hmm. but the promotion, and that's what Triple G went through the whole thing. You know, we were like, yeah, he was. Uh, we had him at uh, Dodger Stadium throwing mm-hmm. out the first pitch three times. Mm-hmm. We had him uh, uh, with Dale Earnhardt uh, Jr. at uh, NASCAR out here. Oh yeah, uh, I saw when, the pictures. When it was that's in uh, cool. California. Yeah, yeah. He was on the field at Azteca Stadium in Mexico, introduced as a national he- uh, Mexican hero. So, do you think so- Brian will? go that path as well he will oh, absolutely. do the business Brian of promotion understands what he needs to do um to take his career to the next level not only mm-hmm. look good in the ring he does he's very open to interviews allowing media uh, to watch him train now you got to be careful with the whole covid situation you really mm-hmm. you know whether you're publicizing the fight or you're risking exposure to, to, mm-hmm. to covid but yeah. in the old days <laughs> last year pre-covid <laughs> Back in the day. um you know, it was uh, he was very open to the media, and uh, uh, he got a, a big opportunity being on on the Triple G shows. So let's talk about that then. Ring City is putting that fight night on December third for Serhi Balichuk, Brandon Adams. So they will be headlining that event. It's actually um, going to be a third fighter that I work with on that show, Adrian Montoya. Oh wow! Who's also a veteran of the uh, Hollywood Fight Nights. But uh, yeah, I think this will be. Uh, one of the most competitive pairings between the main event and co-main event. You got Boa Chuck versus Brandon Adams. Mm -hmm. Boa Chuck's defending his uh, WBC WBC. Continental Continental Americas title Mm -hmm. uh, against Brandon Adams, who arguably has more professional experience than Boa Chuck. So that's really a 50-50 fight right there. And then you have uh, Brian Ceballo, uh, who's going to be challenging for the WBO international title. Oh, okay. So that's um, a step up for him as well yeah. in his career. Against uh, Larry Gomez. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Gomez is 10-1. and 1, So they have very similar records. I think Ceballo is 11-0. Uh, and and, 0, and, uh, and uh, Larry Gomez is 10-1, uh, and 1, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere in that in that range. But uh, th- that's a very even, uh, even fight uh, as well. So you got those two... Uh, mm-hmm. the, the main event, co-main event. Gosh, I'm so don't, excited. Yeah, don't miss that one. Don't on miss that NBC fight, guys. Sports, uh, oh, wow. December 3 from the world-famous uh, Wild Card, Wild Card right? Gym. So it's going to be Roach. at the gym, at mm-hmm. Freddie Roach's gym at Wild Card. Yep. And so they will form their own uh, bubble there as well. I think their first fight for that bubble will happen tomorrow, actually. Yeah, it's uh, tomorrow. Yeah. So they have like the hotel for that and, and everything. So mm-hmm. it's going to be its own little bubble. That's that's interesting. You know, it's... People doing that, and would would that be the first fight in California? Like, or has, has no, no. Uh, 
Golden Boy has done uh, a okay. fight. Uh, that the whole thing. Where actually, like two fights at uh, Fantasy Springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the Mike Tyson show coming up at Staples Center. Oh wow, that's another thing that you know you so cannot miss. A lot of people are uh, <laughs> talking about that. November, uh, November, uh, end of November. I think it's the twenty eighth. I think so. Yeah, I need to look into it. But Tyson is already like saying it's eleven days. In eleven days, I'm yeah. I'm in there. He's like playing uh, with pigeons, Mike, and ready Mike for Tyson war. Mike Tyson is popular fighting Roy Jones. You know that might not be, you know, at that level of you know their prime, mm-hmm. but. The number of fans that are going to tune into that, I think, is going to it's going to create uh, worldwide attention. The question is, will the war instinct of the conqueror wake up in the spirit of Mike Tyson? <laughs> will he all of a sudden get angry and it's like, you know what, like, and he will go all in? And we will I'm see. not sure the rules or if it's an exhibition or <laughs> competitive or whatever that is. I know uh, the California Commission was kind of going back and forth on how it's going to be structured, but. Uh, either way, you know, yeah. uh, seeing Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was one of my all-time favorite fighters. <sighs> yeah. And uh, seeing him in the ring, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll uh, be great. To see, see how that turns out. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, the, the Ring City folks, you got to give them a lot of credit. Uh, they're doing kind of a similar concept what I did with uh, the Superfly shows. Oh, okay. Where I had so many different fighters from different promoters. You know, was, uh, sometimes we had four fights on mm-hmm. TV, and it's, it felt like every fighter was from a different promoter. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it made for the best matchups. Yeah, I've been to two Superfly shows that you promoted and uh, organized, and those were amazing shows. The turnout was amazing. So I really miss those, and uh, you know, hopefully at some point we can create something. It was like that it was again. very uh, Superfly was very successful, and because of the matchups, it was successful, yeah. and and that's why again, you know, Ring City is going in that same vein where they just want to make the best matchups. Mm-hmm. They don't get caught up in the politics of boxing where. You know, a lot of times promoters or TV networks say, okay, if we're going to put you on, you got to sign three options, you got to sign five options, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then that discourages a lot of times the fight from being made. You mm-hmm. know, I remember when we were trying to f- make the fight with uh, top rank, with uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., mm-hmm. um, Bob Arum offered him a tremendous amount of money. I remember the numbers. He offered him $7 million mm. to fight Triple G. And yeah. can you imagine back then, the economics, Triple G changed the economics of the middleweight division where mm-hmm. it just got crazy. But So not only did he offer him $7 million, he offered him if you lose, if he lost, he would offer him $5 million in a comeback fight. So it was a guaranteed $12 million, <laughs> but uh, his Chavez's contract was coming to an end, and, and uh, top rank, naturally, if they're going to spend that kind of money, they wanted to have an extension of the contract, mm-hmm. and that's what's that's what killed the fight. Uh, what, uh, Chavez didn't uh, Chavez Jr. didn't agree uh, for the extension with top rank, and oh, what a shame! I remember you know, Triple G calling him out in the center of the ring, like I want Chavez Jr. Yeah. and that would be that, that would have been a great fight that. on yeah. one of the Mexican holidays. It would have been a tremendous yeah. fight because Triple G had so many. Uh, passionate uh, fans. There from was Mexico. a lot of me- uh, fans from Mexico, and, and uh, Chavez Jr. was, you know, a lot of people kind of look down on him now. But at that time, remember when he fought Sergio Martinez? Yeah, and he lost the fight, lost pretty much every round except for that twelfth round. He ruined Sergio's uh, knee, his <laughs> career, you know, and he dropped him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was, you know, very competitive at the time, and and that's uh, those were the type of fights we were looking for, you know, competitive fights marketable opponents Mm -hmm. and uh you know had we gotten a chavez jr had we gotten a canelo earlier had we gotten uh a Cotto, 
had we gotten a Felix Sturm, who mm-hmm. uh, Triple G was supposed to, oh, not supposed to, who was the mandatory for two years. They actually changed the rules to protect uh, Felix. <laughs> it's amazing how, to what extent, Gennady Golovkin was, he was avoided, avoided by all these big and names. Still is avoided. Sergio Martinez. I have a tremendous amount for Sergio Martinez. Also, he was one of my favorite fighters uh, watching him fight. But uh, his promoter famously said, "We're not letting Triple G anywhere near Sergio Martinez." And Sergio, remember, Sergio was considered the best middleweight at the time. <laughs> so if you're saying, "Okay, I got the best middleweight, but I'm not letting that guy anywhere near my guy," that that uh, says all you know. You know, Gary <laughs> Shaw, I think, was very honest when. Uh, we did the Daniel Giel fight, and he clearly said uh, Triple G was the best uh, middleweight that he's seen when when he knocked out Giel mm. with that, uh, you know, strange where he got hit, and then a, a second later he came back and, and knocked out Giel. Or Lou DiBella said the same thing when Triple G uh, broke uh, some of Matthew Macklin's ribs, and Matthew Macklin is as tough as they, as tough as they come. Mm-hmm. Um, and for him to, like, fold up that way, you know, writhing in pain on the canvas. Yeah. You know, he was so dominant uh, at the time. And uh, uh, a lot of champions really swerved. Uh, Carl Froch in England had a famous <laughs> saying, uh, you know, just swerve Triple G. <laughs> you know, who needs uh, who needs to get in the, the ring oh, with him? God. So. Yeah, it oh, was. Uh, it would have made my job a lot easier, <laughs> and, and we were offering career high paydays. Like I said, you know, uh, the the Chavez offers was huge. Uh, Felix Sturm would have made a lot of money fighting uh, Triple G. Sergio Martinez, mm-hmm. we would have made the the deal so that it would have favored him. Uh, but if you can imagine Sergio Martinez at Madison Square Garden against Triple G, that would have been a huge event, you know. So it's not like we were offering low money uh, for these mm-hmm. guys to fight. They were going to get career high paydays. David Lemieux got a career high payday to fight uh, Triple G, for example. But uh, you know, uh, it, 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 was, it was unfortunate. But you know, in spite of all that avoidance, uh, we still in spite of all that, you know, you guys made created a, fights. A one huge of the- star and HBO got to give HBO credit because uh, you know both Mark Taffet and Peter Nelson mm-hmm. over there uh, said, "Look, if we can't get these guys to fight," and they knew they knew the score. I mean, mm-hmm. they were talking to the promoters directly, and the promoters were saying, "No chance." Mm-hmm. I remember they were going to do a middleweight tournament. It was going to be Sergio Martinez, like WBSS. Uh, no, uh, an HBO tournament, a oh, four-man tournament uh, after uh, uh, Triple G's uh, HBO debut with Proxa, <laughs> uh-huh. and all the HBO Everyone fans were going crazy. <laughs> like, when when can we see him back on? Uh-huh. And then he fought. Remember, he fought Gabe Rosado, who right. actually, coincidentally, now Gabe Rosado, is fighting what, seven years later, Danny is Jacobs, fighting right? Danny Jacobs <laughs> at 168. And we got criticized for fighting Rosado at 160. Because he was the number one contender at 154, but he knew it was going to take, uh, also boxing politics, was going to take a long time for him to get that mandatory title shot. Mm-hmm. And we offered him much more money than what he could have made as uh, uh, super, widow, uh, super welterweight 154, yeah. at 154. So... Uh, they took the fight, and uh, now he's fighting uh, 168 uh, against Danny Jacobs. So, um, yeah, we were able to – oh, what I was getting back to is that HBO said, look, we know these guys don't want to fight, mm-hmm. so we're just going to – it's going to be like a spoke. I remember them describing it. Triple G in the, B in the middle, and whoever wants to fight him will put the fight on. So we had the support of, of HBO, but uh, they made the right decision because even though Triple G might not have fought – the most marquee name, uh, 
Mm-hmm. He got the highest ratings when he fought Curtis Stevens. It was huge ratings when he fought uh, Rubio. was was tremendous ratings, and this was on you know, regular HBO. This wasn't on pay per view. Mm-hmm. Um, even the Dominic Wade fight. Dominic Wade wasn't a household name. He was uh, he was a uh, IBF mandatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Triple G had to fight him, and uh, and that got uh, tremendous ratings. So. Uh, Every time Triple G fought, it's a celebration. Basically, everyone get together. Yeah, it was a big fight. party. You I cannot remember, miss that uh, fight, and you a lot of the blink fans, because knockout can happen at any moment. Yeah, any fans second. came out early. They did tailgating, and yeah. uh, you know, people are kind of accused me of using the uh, Mexican style angle. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I saw that on Twitter him. recently. Yeah, that came up. I think uh, who was it? Javante uh, Davis wore the Mexican colors and got criticized for it. Mm-hmm. And someone had said something, well, you know, mm-hmm. Triple G didn't get criticized, but you know, that wasn't, that wasn't my marketing plan. That was, you know, Abel being from Mexico, uh, Triple G giving an interview with Max Kellerman at, uh, I think it was the Daniel Gill fight said, uh, you know, wh- what's, how would you describe your style? And Triple G said, you know, Mexican style, you know, yeah. cause of my coach. And then, uh, I took that, we were able to get the Rubio fight. And uh, that's we and named I remember, it Mexican style. Yes, and, and I remember organically, that. you know, in terms of Mexican fans, how they were excited and they're still excited about fi- uh, Triple G fights. And I remember on Facebook looking at all these pictures that they would do, like <laughs> Triple G with two guns and uh, some. Yeah, or yeah, it was Mexicans uh, for Golovkin. So it absolutely. actually was something that was no, organically they, happening. They made uh, like uh, Mr. Boxing Guru Sal. Uh, he came down. He made his own Mexicans for Golovkin shirts. Yeah, you know that's pretty dedicated uh, fans. You know, making their own shirts mm-hmm. uh for a guy from kazakhstan and uh no, it just took off and uh, again he definitely uh, showed respect to the fans from mexico he went to mexico uh, a number of times and yeah uh, you've mentioned that he he donated to charities there yeah, it wasn't the like publicized because yeah. yes we're not looking for any publicity about that right. but that was something that you guys just he did. went to a camp i remember there was a story not a story. Uh, I was with them there. The, we were in a, a children's cancer ward mm-hmm. where there was this one girl who was just crying nonstop. And they actually had, to, you know, she had like the intravenous, you know, it's like really, mm-hmm. you know, touching being there. And, uh, you know, he was handing out toys. It was coordinated with WBC and the mm-hmm. WBC Cares mm-hmm. down there. Mauricio Suleiman was there. Jill Diamond was there organizing it from the WBC. And, uh, uh, this one girl was like in bed, just crying, like yelling cause of pain or, or, you know, she was just uncomfortable and, you know, she had the intravenous, mm-hmm. uh, things and, and because, uh, and then her hands were kind of like restrained so she wouldn't pull mm-hmm. the, uh, the needles the tubes, out of her, yeah, 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 the tubes out of her, out of her veins. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so triple G came up and uh, gave her a present and all of a sudden like she started smiling and she stopped crying and it's just like the effect that you know he had down there it was uh, really authentic you know as far as the connection Amazing. and uh Amazing. you know with Sergey, he's got the nickname el flaco and so <laughs> when when uh, you know getting back to that fight in mexico he he's probably one of the few guys of his caliber that who actually went down to defend his title in mexico and so you got didn't they announce about the ratings as well there was like the highest ratings That's on the right. channel that uh, was showing on grupo grupo sipse yeah who's uh, a network down there uh, uh especially in that yucatan uh, mm-hmm. region that uh got uh, one of the highest rated uh, shows ever. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember boxing. he he thanked Yucatan on Twitter, and yep. it was a huge response from that because sure. everyone's no. He appreciated. It. It. We were treated very well. He yeah. was treated very well, even though, you know, he was fighting uh, a fighter from Mexico. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, the Mexican fans respect uh, they respect boxing. They respect boxing, sport, and if and they, they see they respect skill. sportsmanship, and that's mm-hmm. what Triple G showed. That's what Boachuk showed. As long as you respect sportsmanship and or show respect for your opponents, and you respect the rules, you respect the sport, then the Mexican fans uh, will respect you as a boxer, whether you're from Mexico or not. Mm-hmm. They just uh, like your style, and also they. They like your style. They like the aggressive styles. They don't like the boxers that are, you know, kind of boring 12-round, 10-round mm-hmm. decisions. And so they want to see action, you know, Triple G, Boachuk, they throw those uh, left hooks to the body that the, the, that is, you know, very uh, common or uh, one of the... Much the, appreciated uh, hooks in, in, in Mexican families. One of the best uh, punches, uh, you know, for Mexican-style boxing. Absolutely. So uh, going back to Ring City, I just would like to give a shout-out to Evan Ratkowski, who's sure. the he- head of boxing. I yep. love his podcast, and I miss his podcast, Fistianar Spot. Evan, uh, thanks so much for the information. I learned a lot from your podcast, and I'm excited to see uh, how you will manage Ring City and boxing in general within the Ring City platform. December 3, Serhi Bawachuk fights uh, Brandon Adams, which is a huge fight. It's a very even fight. Um, nail-biting fight, I would say. So uh, definitely something that people need to tune in on um, December 3rd. Uh, the channel is uh, NBC, NBC, Sports NBC, Network, NBC Sports Network, which is included. Uh, you don't have to pay extra for it. It's included in your basic cable package. Um, and uh, we, we uh, are looking to heavily promote both the Boachuk and Sabayo fights on that show, Adrian Montoya uh, as well. And uh, not only Evan... But um, uh, Kurt Emhoff. Who I only know had, Evan. I don't know anyone else from there, the, so uh, go ahead and give them no, a shout Kurt, out. Kurt had the uh, podcast with Evan. Oh, okay. Um, and he does a lot of their legal work. Uh, Frank uh-huh. kind of runs uh, the, the company uh, there. Uh, Sam, from uh, which everyone knows from uh, Churchill Boxing and Peter mm-hmm. Berg. Karan uh, Bhatia is also going to be on the broadcasting Karan, team, so, uh, Bhatia, so yeah. shout out to you, man. <laughs> yeah, Karan. We, we've done uh, interviews with uh, Karan, who's also... Uh, a former HBO uh, employee, so yes, you know, we're excited uh, that it's a new platform. You know, when the Zone first came along, I said, "Look, it's great for boxing because the more uh, platforms, the more money that comes into the sport, the better it is for the boxing." And now Ring City actually gives an opportunity for promoters to get their. You know, I can't lie; they're they're tough, tough fights, uh, and and they should be. I mean, they're holding uh, the fighters who are approved to to high standards. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I think it, tomorrow's the, the, the first show. Uh, it'll be interesting to see that, but I think it'll be successful because of the dynamics that they have. They have good quality fights, um, uh, evenly matched fights, and uh, guys coming up like a Sabayo, like a Boa Chuck, um, you know, and, and uh, I, I think it'll do really well. Absolutely, I, I think so too. Tom, thanks so much for your time. I know you need to go soon, but I really appreciate your Samir, time. It's good to have you back in LA. <laughs> too bad you're not moving here, but I know it, uh, you're having a good time up there in uh, Toronto, and uh, always great to have you down here. Absolutely, and I hope you will visit Toronto and we can yeah. uh, hang out. In you know, Toronto I've never, as well. out of all the cities I've been to all the world, I've never been to Toronto, but I've heard tremendous. It's a shame. We should we should fix it. that immediately as soon as possible. Toronto. So yeah, as soon as as soon as you find the cure for, <laughs> for this uh, virus. Well, I believe we're close. I believe we're close. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tom, thanks so much. Thanks, Samir.